Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmidt. And I'm Donald Wine. And we are very excited to talk about Nations League. That is coming up. But first and foremost, I want to talk about a friend of ours, a friend of the podcast. Uh, this past weekend, uh, the Nashville soccer community, um, and as you know, as we've talked about on this podcast, uh, Jonathan and I are Nashville natives. Um, Donald is a fan of the city and likes to come here a lot. Um, we've got a really great soccer community. Uh, but this past weekend, our town lost uh, uh, a beloved figure. Uh, our friend, Ben Coward, um, who was one of the founding members of our American Outlaws chapter here, um, a very good friend of Jonathan, a friend of mine, and a friend of anyone he has ever met, um, passed away in a motorcycle accident this weekend. And I just wanted to say, yeah, it is a terrible, terrible um, loss for our city, our soccer community, I mean, American soccer community. He was uh, a well-known figure for anyone who would come to Nashville for a U.S. men's national team game. Uh, he was there for to help out with every watch party, tailgate. Uh, he was a drummer. He helped set up drum lines to keep the American Outlaws section rocking. And he was very active in uh, the f- supporters of the Nashville Soccer Club, uh, from USL into MLS, um, everyone knew him, everyone loved him, and it is a terrible, terrible loss for us and um, for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it it's hard to talk about Ben in the past tense, and I think you you put a lot of what I would say very eloquently. But just to piggyback off of what you're saying. He I I, over the last day or so since we found out, like all I've been kind of describing him as is a man with a heart of gold, because that's what he was. Right. He like you said, he was always willing to help. Um, I got to know him through you guys, through you and Jonathan. Jonathan um, is not on this episode tonight. We we uh, understood that he needed to take some time. He and Ben went to college together. I think they lived together. Yeah, in college. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a big I mean, they've known each other a long time. And I met Ben through Jonathan and all of you guys down in Nashville. And I was just stunned at the news when when Jonathan called me yesterday because it was. He's such a a, like you said, a beloved figure, always willing to help. Never, never was a stranger. No one was ever a stranger around him. Right. Like he was always welcoming, inviting everything that you strive to be Ben was and on top of that just a great great guy you know we've talked on this show I'm you know I'm coming down to Nashville in a couple of weeks and we were looking forward to seeing each other and it's just a, a a terrible terrible loss so it just a tragic loss um you know just one one moment can change everyone's lives for forever so I I pass along I, I know we pass along our, our condolences to his family, uh, to everyone at AO Nashville. Again, like you said, help found the chapter, help found backline and the assembly and just kind of, you know, all the support that Nashville SC currently has would not be where it is without Ben's contributions to that community. So uh, I passed my, along my 
well wishes to you know everyone in Nashville who got to know Ben as well or better than I did, which was an absolute honor. So, um, yeah, it, 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 I'm rambling, but it's, it's so hard to kind of talk about that. And, um, he will definitely be missed. I know when we're going to talk about nation's league, Mm -hmm. we're going to make sure we do him proud in in, uh, Vegas. For sure. And the one thing that I have not found shocking since this terrible, terrible tragedy um, it's just seeing the outpouring of support of everyone saying the exact same thing. Like everyone loved being around him. Um, he was the most welcoming, uh, supportive friend that you could want. Um, and not just from our soccer community, but from Nashville's music community. I mean, he was, he worked in, um, sound for a bunch of local venues and i mean he has a lot of experience with a lot of the music industry i mean the man worked on a luke combs record um mm-hmm. like even the biggest stars in country music are dealing with this like us and um i'm sure the tributes will continue uh huntsville city fc the mls next pro affiliate of nashville sc paid tribute to him in their game uh sunday night and that was awesome um i know nashville sc has a home game coming up and it's gonna be emotional like the watch party that they're gonna end up having on thursday night here in nashville for the nation's league um it's gonna be a tough time because that's a big loss and we're just thinking of everybody that knew them and like ourselves and you know reach out to each other lean on each other take care of each other um that's what ben would do so cheers to cheers to ben cheers to ben this one's for him um so yeah not not the not the start to the show the upbeat start to the show that Concacaf nations league typically deserves but it's we are where we are and i think we we should you know continue with the soccer because that's what kind of brought us all together and Let's talk CONCACAF Nations League finals because the, the the greatest competition in modern sport is back and it is in Las Vegas, Nevada for the finals, the penultimate event of this edition of the Nations League. Before we start, before we start with the actual okay. teams, okay. can we just talk for a second about the fact that this fucking thing is being held in Las Vegas. <laughs> Listen, the, like I, 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 I even called that. I called it. Called going it into us months ago, right? We yeah. were both like sleuthing. We're like, mm, you were like, I think it's Vegas. I was like, I don't know. And then there was that one little random article where they're like, oh, some soccer game is coming to Vegas. And we're like, oh, that's it. That's the one. But just the, I even asked some of the players. They've had press conferences throughout a last week. And I asked like a couple of the players about like, just does it add to the prestige of being in this, you know, grand tournament that is finals held in Vegas? It, again, this is why this is the best tournament on the planet. Ooh, ooh. Like ain't no Nations League games being held in Vegas, like never, but it's going to happen on Thursday and we're going to be there. So I, I'm just yeah. super excited about that part. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that I spoke it into existence. Yeah. So, um, so you're welcome world um all right so let's get into the teams uh the semifinals it's gonna pit panama against canada 
both first time finalists for this tournament. And then the other semifinal is going to be the USA taking on Mexico. So we'll just kind of roll through the teams here um, and just kind of give a lowdown on what we what we're at and what we're looking for. First off, let's start with Panama, coached by Thomas Christensen. Uh, Donald, has Panama ever won a Nations League? Oh, I have this in my notes. Hang on. No, never. Never won. Panama, Panama has never won a Nations League. Um, so our first trip to the semifinals. Uh, really weird spot for Panama because you look at the other three teams, they're definitely not as deep as the other ones. Now, they did play a warm-up friendly uh, back on the 10th. Uh, they beat Nicaragua 3-2 uh, on late goals by Michael Murillo and Roderick Miller. So they got a little bit of a confidence boost coming in. They got some reinforcements coming from MLS. Uh, Anwell Godoy is one of them. Um, heading out to Las Vegas. Donald, you, is Panama really in like a no-lose situation here? Because I feel like they, if you look, rank the four teams, everyone's going to put Panama fourth. Look, man, we just talked about Las Vegas, and you forgot the best way to describe this team possible and that this team is playing with house money. That's where they're oh, at at this point. I like it. I, you know, I like where you went I mean, there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. They, you know, they beat their arch rival, Costa Rica, to get here. And now they're the team that walks in. Everybody's like, well, it's not them. They're not going to win it. So they have nothing to lose. They really can just play uh, with with little to no pressure. And I'm sure that's not how they're they're approaching it. They're probably approaching it like they have an opportunity to win this tournament. And they do, because if they, you know, string some some good ball together, anyone in this tournament can win. But I think when it comes to Panama, they're the ones that can play with the least amount of pressure because they're going up against the the three giants of, mm-hmm. uh, at least from a geographical standpoint, in case of the United States, Mexico, from a soccer standpoint, you know, the giants of CONCACAF, all of them thinking that they're the best. And Panama is just there saying, hey, we're here too, and we can make some noise. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what they say about CONCACAF Nations League? Throw out the record books. Throw out you the know, record books. You, you don't know what's going to happen. And as we saw in the previous Nations League, and pretty much every Nations League ever that we've seen, uh, because there's been one, is the semifinals are can be quite chaotic and ridiculous. Like, both of those 2021 semifinals were just, like, ridiculous. I mean, if I mean, you the, think about it, the Nations League finals in 2021, there were six games, right? I'm sorry, four games. There were two yeah. semifinal, a third place, and a final. Yeah. All of them were insane. Yes. All of them. So we can't expect anything less here, especially in Las Vegas. And, and yeah. again, we had the game in Vegas, the Gold Cup final, where yeah. even that was insane. So, yeah. like, there's, I mean, this, this just setting itself up for, again, for something weird to happen or, you know, the bounce of the ball or, you know, yeah. something's going to happen in one of these games that's going to make everyone go, did you, can you believe that? Yes, you can. It's CONCACAF. Yeah. Yeah. Nations League finals, insane. Vegas, insane. So really, Nations League Finals in Vegas is insane square. You know, <laughs> it's insane times insane. So we can only imagine what's going to happen. So Panama, really playing with house money. Um, they got nothing to lose. Canada, their opponent, uh, coached by John Herdman. Uh, Donald, can you check, has Canada ever won a Nations League? God, no. Never. Like, never. No. Uh, Canada... There's there's some interesting stuff going on with them. First, I want to touch on the fact that they tried calling in Aiden Morris uh, from the U.S. a dual national, and Aiden obviously looking up the depth chart and seeing Tyler Adams 
uh, our beautiful son in his way for minutes, he's still like, nah, I'm good. Um, so Aiden Morris decides he, he basically just told him no. Um, the other big thing with Canada right now is Phil Neville, along with Richard Shaw, just joined as assistant coaches. Um, do you think Phil Neville is ready for just stepping into CONCACAF Nations League? He wasn't ready for U.S. Open Cup. Like, I mean, this man, I, like, this is a bold strategy. Very few people have ever said, you know what we need to win this game? Phil Neville. Like, <laughs> rarely happened in history. And when they do think that, it doesn't end up well. So I'm curious to see how this ends up and what the what the rationale is behind it. Because it's not like he has some, you know, inside information on Panama or the United States or Mexico. I, it's it's a it's a very mind boggling decision, especially considering how much money they probably had to pay to bring him onto the staff, knowing all the issues that Candace Soccer's had recently with mm-hmm. financials with the women's team. The women are looking like, yo, you just you don't have any money for us, but you got enough money for for Phil Neville. Like, come on now. Yeah, I do wonder. This is purely speculation. There's always been that chatter about John Herdman going getting another job elsewhere and i really wonder if well that's how he ended up with this job remember he was the women's coach and then he said i'm gonna leave they said yeah uh why don't we give you the men's job and he goes okay i'll stay yeah i mean there was chatter after the world cup that he would go elsewhere he was leaving and then he was like i'm staying yeah yeah so i wonder if phil neville's looking at this like you know what this guy's probably not gonna stick around this could be a pretty sweet gig to coach a national team lifestyle for three years go to a world cup and then go to something else you know i mean it makes sense for him i just don't yeah. think it makes sense for canada yeah because i mean i'm sure he's gonna keep living in miami like the man is not gonna move to canada bailing like us <laughs> but uh other notes for canada Derek cornelius had to withdraw due to injury um so that's a defender down they've got their pretty much all of their attackers there you've got your Jonathan Davids, your Alfonso Davies, your um your what's his face? Um Tejon Buchanan. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um they've got a lot of attacking talent, but I am really curious to see Canada's whether Canada's defense holds up. Uh, because that's always been the questionable part of their lineup of late in their resurgence as a program. Um also curious to see when Dane St. Clair kind of kicks Milan Boron to the side and gets the gets between the sticks uh full time. Cause I feel like St. Clair is like on the verge of being right there. I mean, he's starting for his club and Milan Borjan is not uh anymore. Yeah. So uh that yes, that's an interesting battle. I also think, you know, you have a Tebow Hutchinson who's their captain, he's 40 years old. Um how much gas does they have left in the tank? It seems like he has plenty, but you know, when it comes to to Canada, they are kind of like again in a holding pattern between the wave of the future and like the past, and that kind of got them into trouble in the World Cup. They also, I'm sure, have the motivation because again, they've they're claiming that they're the kings of Concacaf, um, despite their trophy case, but they need to actually show it because the last thing people remember of them is them crashing out of the world cup uh, last fall. So I'm sure they're eager to, you know, write the ship and kind of say, Hey, remember when we were 
good throughout qualifying. This is the team that got us there. And just like Panama, they they just have to pick off a couple wins and and catch either U.S. or Mexico uh, at their you know you know slipping a little bit. So I don't know. They're they're a weird team to figure out which one's going to show up. But if it's the one from the World Cup, this is this is going to be a, a very very bad week for them in Vegas. Yeah, uh, Atiba Hutchinson sitting on 103 caps for the Canadian national team. Um, I'm sure he is. You know, he's been holding on because he dreamed growing up of playing in a nation's league. Um, so like this is finally like the last thing on his bucket list he can check off. And this is you know, this is what he illustrates clear. Yeah. I mean, as a child, he just dreamed it's like someday a World Cup would be nice, but a CONCACAF Nations League, it's a dream. That is He's gonna dream. leave his shoes on the field after the game's over. Like yeah, yeah. Retired, done. Yeah. Speaking of Don and retired, uh, Mexico. Mexico, coached by Diego Coca. Uh, Donald, has Mexico ever won a CONCACAF Nations League? You know the answer is never. I believe, never. I mean, con- Mexico, I believe all they've done is lose Nations Leagues. Yeah. 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 So They're winless. Mex- yeah. Mexico never, ever, ever won a CONCACAF Nations League. Um Again, like I said, Diego Coca, the men, the coach of the team, uh, for now, you know, it seems like his seat has been hot since he took the job. Uh, now the Mexican Federation has a new executive team who did not hire Diego Coca. So they're just looking for a reason at this point. Um, Mexico did have uh, some couple tune-up friendlies. Uh, most recently, they were able to get a 2-2 draw against Cameroon on Saturday in San Diego. They actually came back to get a draw. Um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting point for Mexico because, like, they've got two kicks at the can to say they're back this summer. And if they go 0-2, there's going to be changes because they don't have to worry about qualifying. They've got Copa America and the 2025 Gold Cup to, like, get right. But right now, like things are still the wheels are still off, whether or mm-hmm. not they they think that they're on the right track or not. They got to prove that they've, you know, resolved the issues. And Diego Coca's coaching for his job, and he might be looking for a new gig before, you know, the fall. Um, is there anything else with Mexico you want to touch on? I think the the difference between. Mexico's roster and some of the other rosters is that I don't know that they brought their full a team to this particular tournament. There's some guys, if you, if you follow Mexico, you know, loosely throughout the years, there's a lot of names on here that I are either unfamiliar to you or, or guys that you haven't heard in a long time. Really the, the, if you're looking at from a, you know, American perspective, you know, Julian Rajo is on this roster. Edson Alvarez is on this roster, but then after that, you got guys like, you know, you know, Memo Cho, of course, uh, Pineda, Gallardo. But, like, there's not a lot. There's some guys on here that people are going to be seeing at least play in person for the first time. I wonder if that's a strategy by Mexico to say, like, hey, we need guys to start fighting for the for the shirt again. And to do that, we're going to bring in some guys that, that, that feel like they want to prove themselves. So um, it's an interesting way to do it, especially compared to, again, some of the other rosters that we've seen for this 
where they're bringing most, if not all, of their A lineups. Yeah, and I mean, like, they've got some guys who are hurt, so it's not like they're full – they're picking from the full allotment here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have – There's. it's clear that there's going to be a little bit of shuffling between here and the Gold Cup, um, and you wonder if – they might have been better served putting all their eggs into this basket and trying to win a trophy quick and then going from there. Um, but yeah, they got a tough draw in the semifinals and history is not on their side in CONCACAF Nations League. So, yeah. Um, and finally, the fourth semifinalist, the United States of America, coached by interim to the interim manager, BJ Callahan. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, Donald, has the U.S. ever won a CONCACAF Nations League? They have. In fact, they're undefeated in Nations Leagues. They've never lost. Really? LeVar Ball, never lost. All they have done is win CONCACAF Nations Leagues, you're saying? Yep. They're the only ones. And in Las Vegas, Nevada, they are on track to win yet another. Um, As we mentioned, interim to the interim, B.J. Callahan, that was kind of a surprise announcement. Like right, we were like waiting for the roster to drop, and all of a sudden it's like new coach drop, <laughs> and assistant coach VJ Callahan takes over for Anthony Hudson. Anthony Hudson takes a club position over in the Middle East. I congrats to Anthony Hudson for a job well done for the caretaking he did over a few months uh, for the U.S. program, and he went and got his paper, so good for him. But VJ Callahan, hey. This is your first time coaching a national team ever as a head coach. Go play Mexico for a trophy. Or any coach. He He's never been a head coach at any level. He's always been an assistant, which uh, I, I, I don't think that part is weird on its face because he's being elevated. It's not like they went and found this guy. Um, but he's the longest serving assistant in the program. Uh, he, he was started in 2019 under Greg Verhalter continued as the number one guy alongside Anthony Hudson for these last what, five or six months. And yeah, I think this, the shock wasn't necessarily that Anthony Hudson was leaving. I think it was the timing of it, but he, he found his job. And when you, you know, when you get the call, you got to go. So BJ definitely has his work cut out for him. But when you look at the guys that he brought in, it's clear that they're playing to win this one. Oh yeah, for sure. I think an interesting thing to me is that, I mean, Burhalter's contract expired in December and they knew that Hudson was not the long-term solution. And this clearly probably didn't come out of thin air. Hudson probably didn't just walk in the walk into soccer house and be like, yo, I quit. Um, they probably knew that it was in motion and it still didn't accelerate the process to get like a guy for this summer, even though there's guys out there who you could have said, Hey, we're going to sign you to a six month contract or whatever. Um, it's like give the reins to BJ Callahan, and his first task is to beat Mexico, like the U.S. has done frequently over the last few years. Uh, the exciting thing for the U.S. is we're the anticipated debut of Fuller and Belligan, uh, the new dual national acquisition who just committed to the program. Uh, do we think he starts on Thursday? I don't think he starts. I think Pepe gets the start. Um, mm-hmm. And, a, you know, well-deserved for Pepe. He had, he's had a great year for Groningen, even though Groningen as a club did not have a great season. He, uh, I think, you know, showed that he can 
flourish in, in the Eredivisie, and it sounds like he will be staying in the Netherlands, maybe not with Groningen, but uh, moving to a bigger club in PSV Eindhoven. But I think it, it, that's a lot of pressure, right? The kid already has pressure in Balogun. He already has pressure. You know, we've talked about his recruitment and uh, throughout the last few months and the hype that's around him. It would it would almost be a disservice to him if you throw him out there against Mexico and be like, perform. Um, but I also think Pepe being there, he's performed, he's played against Mexico before, and then you bring on Balogun later on to get a taste of that rivalry. I think he thrives on that particular thing where the pressure is kind of reduced a little bit. Or again, you know, in theory, the idea is if he's coming on looking to score, he's going to be looking to get his get his get his grits right. Like he yeah. scored twenty one goals this season. First, I think I believe it's the first American to ever score twenty goals in a top five European league in a season. So he's going to be going on there looking to perform, but the pressure is reduced by him coming on as a substitute. Well, I mean, I think my concern with him is, do you think he has any idea what he's getting himself into? It's like, oh, I'm going to go play for the U.S. Yeah, we got a big game against Mexico, but it's in the U.S., so it should be okay. The man does not understand that it's going to be a hostile crowd. Oh, he does. He does. I, and I think the great thing about the environment of the team right now, like the 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 nature of, of the players that are on this roster, a lot of guys have already kind of, you know, told him what it's going to be like walking into Allegiant Stadium on Thursday and seeing a sea of green instead of a sea of red, white, and blue. But, you know, I, I on the press conference he had last week, uh, he was with Yunus Musa, and Yunus Musa is like, yeah, we talk all the time about all this stuff. So I, I I don't think that's going to be a surprise. But again, it's not just him, right? There's a lot of guys on this roster who are newer to the national team, may not have been in, in this kind of pressure cooker of an environment, for the Nations League, and then you add USA Mexico to the mix, and now it's just you know again, what is it? Insane insanity on top of insanity, insanity yeah. squared. Yeah. Like th- a lot of guys are going to be experiencing this for the first time. That's where uh, you know you have some of these veterans who are younger, right? You have the Polistics, you have the McKinneys, you have the Mooses, you have even the you know the Walker Zimmermans who have been a part of this and understand what it takes to win. They're going to be the guys that the United States relies on to try and get them through. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have him back in the group. Miles Robinson has played Mm -hmm. Mexico in a pressure cooker game in this stadium before and and scored and won. Scored and won. The man is used to winning trophies at Allegiant Stadium. Um, the, The big concern for me, I think, when it comes to the U.S., is absence of Tyler Adams because Tyler Adams clearly maybe like the most important midfielder on the team. Oh, that's, uh, I don't think that's a question. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how you assign positions to some of these wingers and attackers and stuff like that. But as far as like defensively, even more so than any of the defenders defensively, Tyler Adams is the most important person on that squad. And in recent history, when he hasn't been available, Kellen Acosta has been like the de facto backup six, and neither of them are available for this game. Um, is that a, how concerned are you, scale one to ten, that the six is kind of unsettled for a game I, of this magnitude? You know, so when you were talking about who the most important midfielders are, 
-hmm. I think Weston McKinney would be the most important midfielder on this team if Tyler Adams didn't exist as a human being, right? Mm -hmm. Weston McKinney, when he is out of the lineup, the United States traditionally does much poor because there is nobody who like for like can replace what he provides. Tyler Adams is the most important player on the United States men's national team because when he's not there, they have to change their entire shape. And that's the question entering this match is how are the U.S. going to deploy? I think they played a friendly, like a closed door friendly the other day, and they lined up in a lineup that people have not seen the United States do in a very long time. I mean, it was like the double pivots one thing, but this was a double pivot with like four, you know, three other midfielders and in like two forwards. Like they were they were trying to figure out how they can attack Mexico and score goals while also, you know, compensating for the fact that Tyler Adams could be anywhere on the field and never get tired and always be back defensively, even if he moved forward on the attack. So it's going to be interesting to see how I believe McKinney and Musa both start in some fashion, and maybe it's a double pivot, but that also means that they're also going to have more responsibility defensively, which is for, for McKinney, is not always the best suit for him because we don't ask him to do that mostly. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the questions lie is how, like how do they deploy where they can get guys back defensively if there is a counterattack and also still be able to feel like they can push forward at any time. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that works. I don't, I don't want to say I'm concerned, but I'm very, very interested to see what BJ Callahan comes up with. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, those are the four squads. So, as we said, Panama takes on Canada in the first semifinal on Thursday night. Mexico takes on the U.S. in the second semifinal on Thursday night. For some reason, the Panama-Canada matchup is the one that's on national television, whereas <laughs> the Mexico, Mexico-U.S. game is on streaming, Paramount+. Plus. It, well, it is on Univision, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably watching English-language broadcasts. Um, because as you can tell, we are speaking English. Um, yeah. Andres Cantor is calling, I believe, is, or is he calling? The, no, he's not calling the game. There's someone else uh, that I was blanking on that's calling this game that's pretty good. So yeah, consider the Spanish feed if you need to. But yeah, yeah. for sure. All right. So those those are the matchups. Donald, who do you got going through to the final? I think both games go to extra time. I think U.S.-Mexico goes to penalties. I think the U.S. Oh wins on penalties I... because Matthew Turner is a god. Um, I think Canada emerges uh, by scoring in extra time and they end up meeting the United States in the final reminiscent of 2007. Uh, I want to say where they had a, a, a just a fierce matchup, I believe in the semifinal then, but I think in the end, the United States takes out Canada in regulation in the final. Okay. Um, I think Panama Canada does go to extra time. I think go it goes to extra time zero zero. I think it's going yes. to be a terrible cockacafy game. Sloppy game. Think the US the US Honduras game uh two years ago where yeah. it was just choppy and like yeah. no one really got any chances on goal. That that's the game I'm thinking about. Yeah. Where like twenty percent of the first half is dudes laying on the field hurt. Mm-hmm. Like Panama is gonna pull out the playbook and be like, yo, how can we make this a game? And I don't know if Canada is ready for that kind of game uh, in an environment like Las Vegas. 
Um, but I think Canada is going to end up getting it done just because the depth. I think depth is the huge, the biggest issue for Panama. Um, so Canada gets through, and then Mexico, U.S. I mean, you got to go with history. When was the last time Mexico beat the U.S. in a game that matters? You're looking back to the 2019 Gold Cup final. Mm-hmm. So I think Mexico, there is a huge mental advantage where the U.S. really can play with nothing to lose because, you know, the coach is not long-term. He can be aggressive. Uh, we've got players trying to prove themselves. And with Matt Turner and goal, like you still feel it's a reliable situation, even without Tyler Adams. Uh, I think Mexico is just, yeah, there's a lot leaning on them right now, as there usually is. There's a lot of pressure towards the Mexican national team just from themselves. Um, but Diego Coca, is he going to be aggressive enough to get the offense he needs out of this? I don't know. I mean, when you have to scrape by and get a 2-2 draw in a friendly against Cameroon, like it's not necessarily a confidence booster. So I think we look at a U.S.-Canada final, and, yeah, I mean, the U.S. has done nothing but win Nations League, so I think that continues. Yeah. But I'm definitely looking forward to the games. So, oh yes, I'm looking forward to Las Vegas. I'm looking forward to the pool. I'm looking forward to the drinks. I'm looking forward to the blackjack tables, and I'm looking forward to the soccer. I'm really excited to see everybody. It's been a couple months since you know we got to travel, and what greater reason than Concacaf Nations League, the best thing in sports? It's it's on. Yeah. So I'm getting it. I'll I'll be on site. Donald, you'll be on site. We'll try to get some content together. We'll see how if Vegas deals a good hand or not, as far as you know, whether or not, you know, too much. The, the, I'm already looking forward to that night before party on Wednesday night. It's gonna get rowdy. So I hate to do this, but I need to break in here because we literally have breaking news. I know we were gonna talk about the gold cup prelims but I need to talk about the actual gold cup because the United States just lost an opponent. Nicaragua has been booted from the CONCACAF gold cup and is relegated to nations league B. This is because they fielded an ineligible player in eight international matches. So Trinidad will take its place in league a and Trinidad and Tobago will also join the United States men's national team in Group A. So that game in Charlotte on July 2nd that was supposed to be against Nicaragua is now against the Soka, Soka Warriors from Trinidad and Tobago. That is literally That literally came across five seconds ago. Wait, I'm trying to pull up Twitter now. What in the hell, what in the name of CONCACAF is going on here right now? This is this is so. If you remember the, this uh, is live. The, we're on the air right now. <laughs> we're literally live. They, this is this is not this is not a this is not a, a joke. But like, if you remember, they had the deal about Zendejas and whether Mexico, uh, who was fielding they they were fielding them, whether that was going to be something they would be punished for. They got, I think, they had to forfeit two friendlies or whatever. 
Then there was the World Cup thing where it was what was it Ecuador and um and Colombia where you know one guy was ineligible and they were trying to get Ecuador booted from the World Cup like uh-huh. a month before it started and it really it turned out that FIFA was like no we're not going to do that and then it went to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and they said no we're too late like it, like you get penalized later on but you're not going to start switching up the World Cups right now this is one where those were like a few matches, but this was the closest thing to the situation. And Nicaragua was fielding a player ineligibly for eight matches during the Nations League, which is how they qualified directly for the Gold Cup. So because of that, they are now out of the Gold Cup. They are relegated to League B. Uh, and I don't know the other sanctions, but that's just all that's come across the feed so far. Yeah. I like to thank the gods of Karkaga for dropping that right now. Because right was, now. Because we, we were really searching hard for a segue right there, right then. And all of a sudden, <laughs> bam, Nicaragua, you're out. You're out. So that's oh that's wild to me. Like that, that yeah. I, I figured that would happen, but again, just like the past precedent, it felt like they wouldn't do something about the gold cup. Because I mean the gold cup starts in this 12 weekend. days. Well, no, well, the prelims start this weekend. The prelims so, are this weekend. According to this, Antigua and Barbuda is going straight into the preliminary round. They have to scramble. They weren't planning on playing in the prelims. All of a sudden, they got to get their ass to Miami to play in the prelims. This because week. Trinidad and Tobago was supposed to play Guadalupe. Yeah. And so now it's Antigua. Shout out Antigua. But they oh are now inserted into this. This is This is amazing. <laughs> and, and if you remember, the, the closest thing we had was two years ago when the prelims, I believe Cuba, was it Cuba or uh, got booted because they didn't have enough uh, players? Uh, they couldn't get the visas or whatever, plus COVID? No, there's a, there's a team that had to drop out for COVID. Uh, they had to drop. They got in. It was, uh, was it, was it? Guatemala or someone? Guatemala is the one that had just fired the coach for not qualifying. And then all of a sudden, yo, all of a sudden was back in. They're like, oh, by the way, get your people back. You're going to, you're playing in a day. So, and they delayed the game like a day so that they can get down to whatever, wherever they're playing. I think it was Orlando. But like that was because of COVID essentially. That, so that we were used to that. But this is like a punishment this close to tournament. I don't think this has happened before. Uh, I mean, even look, yeah. Florent Maluda played for French Guiana during the Gold Cup, and they didn't boot him from that. They were just yeah. like, ah. They told him he was. He, they told me he wasn't eligible. They, were like, they nah, told him wasn't good. eligible. He showed up anyway. He played anyway, and they were like, eh, play the game. We'll just forfeit that later. It's fine. And that I believe like costed someone like a, a spot in the group stage because he didn't play against them, but he played against the other team that booted that team out of the group stage. Like, this is amazing. Oh my god. This, this, this is. Remember, we were talking about this is only going to be like 25, 30 minutes. And now, like, look. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> this God. Is, this is amazing. Well, we were going to talk about, like, oh, we'll do a couple minutes on the Gold Cup prelims. Now everything's changed. We Even the matchups we were looking at. The matchups have changed. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine all the Nicaragua fans who have bought tickets for that game in Charlotte? They're like, Yo, this is awesome. We're gonna see him play the those US. expensive tickets because those <laughs> very expensive tickets. And they're like, "Yeah, fun fact, you're gonna go see those Sucker Warriors, buddy." That's crazy. I mean, that's just 
I'm that's literally shocked. That, that is cockcap. That this is, is why we do the podcast. The this most is exactly why we do the thing I've seen in a long time. And Ronnie Brunswick exists. Oh my god! The prelims are in like four days. Can do we have the schedule? We do have the schedule. So uh, we let me let me rephrase. You said Antigua and Barbuda is taking Trinidad and Tobago's spot, correct? Correct. Okay, so here is the schedule on. There's three games on Subject June 16th. Change. Subject to change. Subject to change, apparently. Um, but on June 16th and June 17th, right now, there are three games scheduled on each day. On June 16th, we have Trinidad and Tobago taking on... I'm sorry, Antigua well, no. and Barbuda now. That, that's the thing. They're literally the first game. They, they are the first game of this tournament. Um, so Antigua and Barbuda are taking on Guadalupe. You have Martinique taking on St. Lucia. And then you have Curacao taking on St. Kitts and Nevis. On the 17th, you have French Guiana taking on St. Martin, St. Martin, the Dutch side, uh-huh. Suriname taking on Puerto Rico, and Guyana taking on Grenada. Now, basically, it's like the winner, of, uh, to, not to bore you, but here are the matchups for the whoever wins. So the winner of Antigua and Barbuda will take on the winner of Guyana and Grenada. The winner will advance to Group D play. Martinique and St. Lucia, that winner will take on Suriname or Puerto Rico. And that the winner of that matchup will go to Group C, and then Curacao and Saint Kitts and Nevis will take on the winner of French Guiana and Saint Martin. The winner of that will join Trinidad and Tobago and the United States in Group A. <coughs> this is we had a whole segment <laughs> planned out for this. It just got blown up. <laughs> oh my! We don't even God. know who, who's playing. And, and like like I said, like the other the, the last time this happened in twenty twenty one. They delayed games so that uh, Guatemala could reassemble their crew that had just dispersed for the summer and get them back so that they can get them to whatever game they were supposed to play. And I feel like for Antigua Barbuda, I don't know if they were scheduled to play games in this window. All of that has changed now. So they have to kind of get their team together and get them to uh, the prelims. This is man (laughs) we're just like completely flustered over this whole scenario oh my god i'm trying to find the 2021 info but yeah guatemala it just 2021 gold cup you can edit this out (laughs) if you want (laughs) no i want to keep this in because i feel like this is we're we're working through it as like as uh, let, let me just let me just tell the listeners how this like you were finishing up all of that stuff about Nations League and you were wrapping it up and literally as you're wrapping it up I get the notifications for certain journalists and stuff like that and also for people that come across uh that we have on our feed and so that notification from Steve Goff came across followed by John Arnold with, I mean within seconds of each other and my face just went blank and I could see Eric trying to finish his stuff and looking at me like, why is he, what's he, is he watching the game or something? Like what's he, what's he looking at? That's where we were at. Like literally this is, we were about to talk about the goal cup prelims and we were going to start with Trinidad and Tobago who is now in group A. Yeah. Yeah. Cuba in 2021, Cuba couldn't play. Their prelim. So French Guiana was awarded a 3 0 win and they right. got through to the second round. Um, yeah. 
But no, the goal- there was a team. Who was the team that got in that won and then had to drop out because of COVID? Because Guatemala, remember, lost. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, sorry, joking. You're back in. And they ended up going to the Gold Cup. I don't know. I can't. I can't seem to parse. You remember this, this right? Like, you remember no, I, I remember this. I remember. I just this. forgot the team that was that was a part of that. Irregardless, Gold Cup. You know, playing the wild card again. You know, what's the Uno card? The reverse. You just throw it down. And... Yeah. <laughs> Cock always pulling that reverse card. Oh my god! All right. I think. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I got packed for Vegas at some point here. Oh, I do too. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up. I got you. Here it is. In 2021, in 2021, Curacao had qualified via the Nations League and they got COVID. So they said that CONCACAF said they were placing with the next highest ranked team from qualification based on wins, draws, and goal difference. And by one goal, one goal, Guatemala qualified for that over French Guiana. Okay. Nice. All right. So we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. We're just like, we are completely off the rails here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This podcast has been a whirlwind, you know. Um, So, yeah. You follow us on social media at PodcaCaf. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, POD, Cuckalf. If you want to email us, podcalf at gmail.com. You should support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcalf. Access to the one more round episode that we're probably going to record after this. Once we gather ourselves, um, support the podcast and get access to our Patreon. You get access to our Patreon, obviously. Our Discord. We're all disheveled here, but there's a Discord where we talk CONCACAF and CONCACAF only in there. Uh, in fact, the one more round that we're about to record is coming from a patron who asked a great question earlier in our Discord, and we said, you know what? That that yeah. should be something we discuss. So you have that access to us yeah, 24-7. You, can, you have that access all times. We can You can talk with other CONCACAF enthusiasts. Um, it's good. We're trying to build a CONCACAF community through our podcast. Um, Donald, where can people find you? Uh, at Blazing DW. Also, I just want to let people know who are going to be in Vegas, my other podcast, USA Soccer Cast. We have stickers and we have Ooh. magnets. So if you are following that account at USA Soccer Cast, you can find me in Vegas and you will get either a magnet or a sticker. Eric, you, I mean, you already follow yeah. it, but you, yeah, you're going to get one anyway. So Love stickers. Um. If you also want swag from our podcast, you can get our get to our shop via our link tree on our social medias. Go check that out. Get your CONCACAF themed merch. Um, we have some wait, merch too that we're going to be giving away on Twitter. Well, right? we like, tried to give it away. We did a tr- we did like a prediction contest, and no one got it. No one got close. Like, guess the score of the game, and everyone's going one one or two two, and Grenada beat somebody six nothing. No one was yeah. even close. <laughs> So, so we, we will try again. We will try, try again. again. At, maybe during maybe predictions of the uh, Nations League finals, and then from there we will we have a uh, uh, a hoodie, and then mm-hmm. we also have a tank top. 
uh, a black tank top. Uh, I believe it's not. It's the it has the World of Concaf uh, yeah. logo on both. So, yeah, It'll look for look for Twitter and look for those predictions. Get yours in because if you do, you could win some swag. Yeah. Um, also, I know Jonathan didn't join us tonight, but follow him at SSP on Twitter uh, and Speedway Soccer. Uh, it's at Speedway Soccer. At Speedway Soccer, yeah. Yeah. Um, and his work there. Slate, we love you. We wish you were here, but we understand. Um, and yeah, we'll see you in Vegas. If you're in Vegas, let us know. We'll be around. Love to meet the fans of the pod. So we'll wrap it up there. Take care of each other. Uh, be a good friend. And support soccer in your community. Amen. Amen.